0: Want to stream cognitive dissonance to your Android or iPhone? Buy the app. Go to dissonancepod.com and click on the link on the right-hand side of the page. Each purchase helps support the show.
1: Hey, Cecil and Tom. This is John in
2: California again. Just listening to the news story about uh, the
1: study they did with uh, religious children believing far-fetched things easier than secular children. I was thinking that setting up an experiment like this uh would be unethical
2: we're just unlucky enough that people tell their children about hell and uh those kind of things um so that the experiment can be run. but
1: if you had to set it up the, the, no one would allow you to do it so uh yeah glory borealis uh, rock on hey guys glory Hall. When I first started listening to the show, I kind of thought of it like uh, a light, get-updated kind of thing. Like It was like a strawberry daiquiri, you know, or some drink with, like, fruity stuff and umbrellas and whatnot. You know, it's something fun, but I'm not going to have it all the time.
3: And then, like, the more I listen to it, the more I'm like,
2: you yeah, know, I'm, like, really looking forward to the next show. Kind of counting on it. So anyway... It's more like an acquired taste, and and, and over time, like a
1: good single malt. Gosh, you guys fucking rock, and I realized I might be an alcoholic. Thanks.
0: Be advised that this show is not for children, the faint of heart, or the easily offended. The explicit tag is there for a reason.
3: Recording from Glory Hole Studios in Chicago, this is Cognitive Dissonance. Every episode we blast anyone who gets in our way. We bring critical thinking, skepticism, and irreverence to any topic that makes the news, makes it big, or makes us mad. It's skeptical. It's political. And there is no welcome at. This is episode 168. And Cecil, I would like to point out... That since I have been doing the notes, I have gotten the episode number right
4: every time. It's amazing what what you can do when you put your fucking mind to it, (laughs) Tom. You know, it's amazing what you can do when you actually do a little bit of the work. Uh, When you say
3: a little bit, you really do mean a little bit. Look, motherfucker, (laughs) I hit copy, I hit paste. That shit's exhausting. It's like, and I use an Apple, so it's not even Control-C. That fucking shit's Command-C. Oh, man. That's fucking hard. God, I... I just don't saying, even know how you do it, Tom. It's just... I I, I deserve, like, some kind of a medal or, I don't know, is it like a plaque or like a Lucite trophy? Yeah, I can, I'm not sure I can make exactly. you a Lucite
4: trophy. <laughs> I'll just fill a condom with Lucite <laughs> and then slap you with it. How's that?
3: So in this episode, a little later on, we're going to have uh, Dale from Foundation Beyond Belief on, um, so stick around for that. He's actually got some fucking useful things to say. But before we give you that, uh, we'll pepper you with some useless bullshit. Starting with the first story, which comes from MSN.com. Um, Pakistan mob kills women and girls. So let's not limit <laughs> yeah, it. No, yeah, no. Um, over blasphemous Facebook post In Islamabad, which is hardly a uh, backwater of Pakistan, a Pakistani mob killed a woman who was a member of a religious sect and two of her granddaughters um, but to be fair, one of her granddaughters, I think, was a baby. So, and the other one was a seven year old. I hear they put up a hell of a fight. <gasps> oh, Jesus. I mean, the baby, look, the baby posed an imminent threat of posting to Facebook once she learned how to, right. you know, speak and then write. Yeah, well, she would, and then blaspheme. Yeah. <laughs> So this was really like a preemptive strike
4: against <laughs> It's like a preemptive blasphemy. drone strike against the kid. Right. Yeah, no. Right. I think that's good. But, you
3: know, let's, let's be really, really fair. I think they burned to death.
4: Yeah, no, I think, I think you're right, yeah. You
3: know, based on, based on the article, it's, it's very, it, it appears likely, and I don't have all the details, but it looks like they probably were burnt to death. So, you know, they had that coming. Oh, man. I don't know how else. To,
4: I don't know how else to lead this story, Cecil. You know how do you kill a seven-year-old and a baby? What's with the fucking? I mean, it's like Facebook. The guy posted on Facebook. If this is what they mean by boost post, then I'm not interested in this. I don't think. <laughs> I don't think that's worth the money. You know what I mean? It's almost like one of those Google. I'm feeling lucky or I'm feeling very unlucky buttons. Where you got, <laughs> right.
3: I'm feeling blessed. I'm feeling I'm feeling, I'm feeling
4: tragically unlucky click man what a fucking disaster bockle and you know the thing is is like i i understand that there's got to be more involved in this than just somebody i mean don't you think there's got to be more involved in this than just somebody who's just mad because somebody posted something there's got to be because they started some shit on fire yeah i you you know it was 150 people who got
3: fucking super, super butthurt. And who do they get butthurt against, right? They got butthurt against a, a a minority. So that's really what this comes down to, right, is the, the religious majority has a fucking boner for this small minority of people. And what they're doing, Cecil, is they're looking for any splinter, any aggravation, any kind of mild uh, annoyance that they have. And then they can whip these fucking idiots up into a goddamn fucking murderous frenzy. They can get, you know, it's like, it's like if you were like, uh, I'm so fucking mad, I'm going to get 149 of my closest <laughs> friends to beat your ass. This can't happen. This is like some, this is like some, some fucking, uh, Jim Crow lynching shit. That's really yeah. what this is yeah, like. Yeah, it's exactly. Right?
4: It's almost, it's like, it's like a fucking horror movie. It's like that horror movie where all those people, it's the crazies. Yes, it is. Yeah, man, you fucking nailed that. It
3: is like the fucking crazies. And, and this is specifically the reason why theocracy is a bad idea, right? I mean, this is the reason why putting power, you know, political power, military power, social power putting power in the hands of a religious majority. And the religious majorities never understand this, right? Because they'll always say like, hey, in my town, like, let's, let's bring this back home because it's difficult to analogize something like this because this happened so many thousands of miles away. It can become very difficult to make this seem real. But, but think about how, how these sorts of things play out on a much less violent, much smaller scale here in the States. We've heard this same story, right? The story is, hey, everyone in my town, the bulk of the people, the vast majority of the people that live within my town are Baptist, are Christian, are Catholic, are whatever. And so, we represent the majority opinion when we do acts. And so, the government, you know, takes a stance, a a powerful figure within politics, within a, within the Society takes a stance and they move a position forward based on a religious ideology. And this is that same fucking exact idea writ large. This is honestly the inevitable conclusion of that same kind of idea, right? They're saying, hey, we are a religious majority. Most people are not the Ahmadi in Pakistan, So most people agree with us. You have committed a crime or a transgression against our majority. And so 149 of my closest friends are going to band together and loot your shit and set fire to your baby (sighs) because you have done something egregious to the religious majority. This is the problem when you put religious power in the hands of any group. Religiosity should never have... Uh, Social power, political power, economic power. It should always be a privately celebrated thing. So this next story comes from Times Live. Um, Filipino beheaded in Libya for not being a Muslim. Um, And the thrust of this story is primarily that a Filipino (laughs) construction worker was kidnapped and beheaded in Libya because he was not a Muslim. And I don't know even what you say else about this, except for that he was fucking beheaded, Cecil.
4: Yeah. He was stopped at a checkpoint, so it's like a, a, I don't know, like a police officer (laughs) or whatever. Like, it's almost like one of those... Drunk driving traffic stops. They're like, you know, right. can I see your Islam yeah. card? I'm sorry, sir. <laughs> I'm sorry, sir. You're gonna have to stick your head out the window. I'm sorry. The uh, he's uh, he's probably like asking the officer, like, "Officer, is there any way I can let you off? With, you can let me off with just a warning?" And like, what's a warning? Head cut off. You know what I mean? Like, like that's like you just got like part of your head cut off. You know, uh, the officer's got a quota to fill. You know what I mean? Like, there's a lot going on in this story. And you gotta
3: like you gotta promise to be like more Muslimy. In order to get Poor like Muslim-y. just like bits of you cut off, you're just like I'm not
4: like I'm not like full Muslim, yeah. but I'm like kind of like a partial Muslim. It just fucking threw the thing from phantasm at him, and it just came across. <laughs> what you know, the thing is like whatever I read
3: about these fucking beheadings, um, the first thing I do is check the date to make sure it's still 2014. Right, right. Then I cry and die yeah. a little bit inside. And then I wonder, like, did you solve the problem? Like, you want to, like, call the guy up who's, like, who got done cutting the fucking head off of another human being and be like, did you fix it, motherfucker? Yeah. Is it fixed? Did you fix the fucking problem by cutting that fucking dude's head off of his body? Like, it's not enough just to kill somebody, but you got to fucking cut his goddamn head off. Like, could you be more medieval outside of building a fucking castle with a
4: moat. How, how do you even, like... Well, the, the, just the logistics of chopping someone's head off is a lot to do. You need a block. You gotta have a guy with a fucking mask on. You need a big weapon of some sort, of, like a great sword or an axe. Or, you know, if you're in Iran, they have pneumatic ones now. But, you know, clearly... That's yeah. technology, yes. motherfucker. They're moving forward. They got steam power, bitch. <laughs> but, you know, you got, you've got, you got – there's like a – it's logistically hard to chop someone. It's not a fucking easy thing to do. It's not like I could just decide on a whim to chop someone's heads off. I need fucking tools. I need opportunity. I need a – how do you tie the person down? What do you – how do you even do all this work? It seems like a lot of work. Couldn't you just shoot him? 10,000 years ago.
3: Remember when Daniel Pearl got beheaded, that, re- yeah, yeah, that yeah. reporter? Yeah, yeah. I watched that video. Uh Uh-huh. I don't know why I watched that video. I had an idea at the time about why I watched the video. Now I have no idea why I watched it. They cut his head off with a big knife, and they just sawed it off, man.
4: Jesus Christ. And it
3: did not take very long. They had a very sharp knife, and when they got to the fucking spinal cord, you could see, like, moved it, like, once, twice, got in between, shunk, and the head came off. It took... Maybe 30 seconds. Yeah, it's just when But I was fucking appalled at how quickly they separated head
4: from body. I was like... I fucking cut the backbone of things. You know what I mean? Like, I get it. Um, yeah. So I know. But yeah, at the same time, you know, fucking cut a chicken back sometime. You know I mean, it's not fucking easy. It's not like it's... No, it's, it's still it's, a work, it, It's dude. not like I'm going to be like, eh, and it's done. It's not like I could touch a chicken and it just falls in half. You know what I mean? Like, there's a lot going on in there. <laughs> Who's that French chef? Oh, who could, like, Jacques chicken? Jacques Pepin can lo- do that. Fair he, enough. That guy would be fucking amazing. Fair enough. Jacques Pepin includes. could do that. He could just be like, "I'll touch this chicken." He like fucking. All he has to do is like wave his hand in front of it, and it fucking fries itself. He would behead you so adeptly, you'd thank him I afterwards. Know. He'd like serve That's you. How awesome he'd that serve guy. your head like so. <laughs> I mean, it'd just be beautiful. You'd look like a little pigeon or something. He'd like cut little things in you. You're like, yeah, I
3: got beheaded. But I got served with a beautiful wine and shallot yeah, and reduction. I, and I don't mind. I don't mind so
4: much. I feel all right about yeah, this. Yeah, we made a really nice aspect to put me on. It was really nice.
0: <laughs> a thousand years ago,
1: there was a great conjunction. Three suns lined up. Another great conjunction coming up. Anything could happen. The whole world might
0: burn up. The great conjunction is the end of the world, or oh, the beginning.
3: So this story comes from Right Wing Watch. Uh, You can learn the exact day of Christ's return, but only if you give $5 to World Net Daily. Um, So when you sign up for World Net Daily's email list, you commit to a whole bunch of fucking nonsensical emails written by idiots and delivered to goofballs. Um, And they offer you all kinds of deals about like, you know, like fucking like crazy, like prepper shit because... Like, I guess when Armageddon comes, you can, like, fool Jesus with concrete. I've never understood that. I don't, I don't know, know why these works. people even want to live through that. Yeah, you know, we've talked about this, but I have to say it again. It's the end of the fucking world. What's the upside? Like, you're like, you emerge from your fucking concrete bunker, and you're like, yeah, save my family so we can all live in the horror of the road. What's for dinner today, Dad? Oh, it's fucking babies again. What's for? Di- oh, we had babies last night.
4: <laughs> family dog tonight for dinner, guys. We're gonna eat the family dog. <laughs> Isn't that great? Yeah. <laughs> What's to drink? Oh, that's tears of <laughs> sorrow.
3: Yeah, we're having uh, a big, tall glass of tears of sorrow. Bless us, O Lord, um,
4: and these Thy gifts <laughs> which we are about to receive, which we are about to murder through Thy bounty. <laughs> through Thy bounty. Oh, that's awesome. But it's actually, you
3: know, I will say, Cecil, I did not appreciate that right-wing watch. I felt like this was a gross exaggeration. They're not actually charging $5. It's four ninety dollars 95 yeah.
4: Yeah, It's you know, yeah. they, clearly that nickel matters. Uh, $4.95, you know, you really can't give shit away like this for free because no one will pay attention. What they're doing is a real clever marketing technique, which is taking worthless information and giving it the illusion of worth. You know, they're basically saying, we have a bunch of information, we, should, we could give it to you, we could just give it to you, but you'll pay attention if I give it to you for $4.95. Right. Well, and the four
3: ninety five dollars represents a $35 discount off the regular $39.95 price. So that's a fucking deal, man. Not only are you taking worthless information, assigning a value to it, and then giving me a discount but it's not quite $5. Yeah. <laughs> Even I have not quite $5. <laughs> right,
4: it's
1: true.
4: That's amazing. Don't all these people want, it, like, fucking all dogs to go to heaven? Aren't they, like, supposed to be like, hey, fucking everybody's <laughs> going to heaven. Come on, guys, let's make sure everybody gets there. We want to make sure that, you know, because our everybody's trying to stop the gays. All the fucking like, right, crazy, straight, like, right people are just like, gotta stop the gays from doing this because they're gonna go to hell. You gotta stop this from happening because they're gonna go to hell. You gotta stop, you know, there's all this stop doing the things that we don't like because you're gonna go to hell, right? That's that's sort of the mantra. And then you have um, this thing where it's like, well, we're not gonna tell you when it is unless you pay us money. Well, wouldn't you want to give this away for free? Wouldn't you want to be like, hey, you know, come to our website and pay attention to when the fucking rapture is because we want to make sure that you, everybody goes to hell heaven.
3: Well, my favorite part of this, though, Cecil, is that not only are they in violation of their own theology as you just pointed out, but they tell you the day that that the end of the world is going to happen but not the year. So they tell you the day, what fucking good is the day without the year? Like, what? I mean, seriously, like, like, if it's, like, October 11th, what fucking possible meaning does that have in my life if I don't know that that's October 11th, 2015, or October 11th, 40,76, You know yeah, what I right? mean? Like, <laughs> like, what possible use yeah. is that information? You know, they do say that, like, it's very near. So, like, okay, well, what's it's very near actually mean like near is kind of a fucking relative term you know like is it very near generationally meaning like it's only three generations from now oh well fuck that's you know for a two thousand year old theology that's actually pretty fucking close but or is it like very near tomorrow right right like which very near are we talking about
4: I don't have $5 to throw at this thing. I wouldn't. Throw I kind of want five, to throw $5. I wouldn't throw this, $5. Throw I'd rather $5 buy $5 a, a fucking bum, a fucking Mad Dog 4040 or whatever, than <laughs> fucking than do this. There's no way I would throw money at this.
3: I would rather buy a book of matches and four singles and burn them. Yeah.
4: <laughs> that- So we're going to take a short break, give you some information on how to, how to contact the show and how to donate to the show. And we'll be back with Dale McGowan from the Foundation Beyond Belief after this.
0: Want to contact the guys? Go to dissonancepod.com to get links to their Google+, Facebook, and Twitter accounts. If you want to contact them directly, send an email to dissonance.podcast at gmail.com. Or you can call and leave a message at 740-74-DOUBT. That's 740-743-6828. Do you want to support the show? Go to patreon.com. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot forward slash dissonance pod. Or click the link on the podcast homepage and you can donate to the production of Cognitive Dissonance on a per episode basis. If you can't spare any money, take a second to give us a five-star review on iTunes or Stitcher or spread the word about the show. We want to send a big, heartfelt glory hole to all the patrons and people who rate us. You fucking rock.
3: So this story comes from Times Daily. God put coal in Alabama. Incoming regulator says, Alabama's utility regulators are supporting coal. No great shock, right? I mean, fucking coal, Alabama, no surprise there. Um, And opposing federal efforts, efforts to limit fossil fuel emissions. I'm sorry, I can't speak today. Um, And they're doing this basically um, in part based on the justification that God put the coal in Alabama, Cecil. Wouldn't have put it there if he didn't want us to blow the
4: top off a mountain and kill every living thing within 100 miles. Good Lord. I, you know, isn't this, I mean, couldn't you just fucking use this argument for anything? (laughs) Yeah, you just man. use it to basically subjugate whoever you want, utilize whatever natural resource you want, and fucking discriminate whenever you want. It's fucking crazy. Like, I
3: read this and I just, I just hang my head and I think, and I think this honestly, man, this is fucking for real why my kids have no fucking future. Like, this is why they will live in a world that is fucking shittier than the world I grew up in. It's because of fucking idiots like this. Who are looking at the world and saying like, yeah, man, we got to fucking strip mine every fucking forest and every fucking mountain and burn all the fucking coal because fucking Jesus and God and fucking whatever crazy nonsense (laughs) you can fucking shit out your mouth hole. And meanwhile, I'm like, I'm looking at like my fucking kids and I'm thinking like, you will never know a world even marginally as beautiful as the world I grew up in because we're fucking ruining it every fucking day of the week. What day is it today? Oh, it's fucking Wednesday? Probably ruining part of the world today. <laughs> What's going on
4: Thursday? I don't know. God put some fucking coal in Alabama. Light it all on fire, bitches. Wednesday is, is coal emission Wednesday. So <laughs> it's, it's coal emission Wednesday. <laughs> it's a big- a big, It's on my calendar every week. I try to burn God. as much coal as I possibly can. I actually, light it while it's in the ground to let it burn while it's in the ground. Right? One of those. One of those. <laughs> just co- fucking set the coal mines on fire right. in the earth. Right. Yeah. Because I mean, it's there to burn. Right. Why not? Let's Dude, do like it. Dude, it's like the
3: fucking long dark of Moriar or whatever.
4: <laughs> like there's fucking
3: Balrogs down there. there. Is. Oh, fucking Obama goes down there and he's like,
4: "You tell them." He's got a <laughs> shield on, and it's just like the fucking U.S. seal. It's got the fucking like eagle on it. He actually starts saying, he's like, you shall not. And then fucking Boehner pops up and is like, hold on a minute. Filibuster. <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> the problem, of course, is just like all these other stories. Yeah, he's going to use God, but he's sure, you know, what almost certainly is happening is somebody put a big fucking check in, not in his pocket, but in his fucking campaign fund. And he's got to fucking make sure that he appeases those people. So they essentially lobby in favor of this stuff. He's like, oh, okay, well, I got to make sure that I appease them. Well, the best way to fucking get a bunch of fucking goobers off my back about this is to quote God.
3: This is the political equivalent of God made dirt and dirt don't yeah, Exactly. Her. Do you remember hearing <laughs> exactly. that when you were a kid? It's like, and then like all of a sudden, like you're not fucking a kid and, you know, functionally retarded anymore. And you're like, God made tetanus and Tetanus does. Makes lockjaw. It hurts. Fuck. It actually that, hurts, that hurts a lot.
1: That like, real bad. <laughs> Allah Akbar, Akbar, Allah
0: Akbar, Allah Akbar, Akbar,
1: just little Allah. Thank you, Chicago.
3: So this story comes from The Telegraph. Commonwealth Games' Scotty Dogs are disrespectful to Muslims. Oh, man, I just, I don't even know, man. Use of Scottish terrier dogs during the Commonwealth Games opening ceremony is shameful and offensive, says Malaysian political officials or fucking whatever, man. Like fucking dogs. Like we're fucking worried about Scotty dogs. Like the fucking Malaysians are like, we've got all the other problems licked. Yeah. Is anyone, anyone got a dog we don't like looking at? Anyone know where that plane is? <laughs> Right. <laughs> You've lost two airplanes recently. <laughs> two. Fucking worried about dogs, fucking cute little fucking The dogs are fucking in this in the fucking Commonwealth Games. Like there's fucking like cute little fucking Scotty dogs walking around in fucking tartan coats. Like doing everything but playing the motherfucking bagpipes, right? They're like fucking funny dogs. Like, oh, it's dogs in people clothes. Ha ha ha.
4: Like they're fucking walking around and people are like we are very offended by this. Yeah. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? There is nothing cuter than a fucking Scotty dog in a tartan outfit. I'm not I'm not even are kidding. You? Like, I will fucking <laughs> punch someone that's so fucking cute. That's fucking adorable. I want to choke someone out. It's so fucking adorable. It's one of those things where you see it and it's like, so fucking cute, I feel a little violent <laughs> yeah, like, about it. like little beards? You just want to grab the little beard on the goddamn thing? <laughs> it's fucking... And you know if they animated it, it would have
3: a Scottish accent. You know, reading from this article, it says... Many Muslims refuse to have direct contact with dogs, which are considered by some to be unclean in Islamic culture. Some overseas Muslim groups have reportedly previously called for a jihad on dogs. Let me say that again: a jihad
4: <laughs> on dogs. You see, fucking like they, when you <laughs> they have a hard time, time with the dogs. They they think that they're unclean, but they have no problem with fucking severed heads, evidently. They don't have right? any issue with that. That's not unclean. Right? That's
3: fine. i like, oh, it's fine. It's fine. I'm only covered in human gore. <laughs> it's
4: like a fucking... What I'd hate it if like there was fucking dead, old yeller around. Where you chop the head off and just like fucking stream of blood, shoot straight up in the air. It's like a fucking water <laughs> like, balloon that's all red and it just explodes on everybody. It's like, no, that's fine. That's fine. You... <laughs> Get the fucking you're putting Scottie on a movie to,
3: like, help your kids fall asleep, and it's like, you've got, like, two DVDs, and, like, one is the beheading of Daniel Pearl, and one, and one is, is, like, fucking Marley and Me, and you're yeah. like, ugh. <laughs> fuck, Marley and Me, that's disgusting. <laughs> fuck that. No, put that oh, away. Man. That's horrible. Oh. You know, it's funny, too, because it's, like, every culture across all of time has had, like, every human culture across all of fucking time has had dogs. Like, as either companion animals or working animals or fucking whatever. And all of a sudden, it's like,
4: yeah, we don't like dogs. And you're like, really? It's not like cockroaches. It's not cockroaches. Right? It's, not like, it's not like they fucking let the Muslims on the, on the, on the, and then they had a fucking team of marching cockroaches in front of them. <laughs> they didn't do that. It's dogs. I gotta say, there's two dogs. I live at a condo in downtown Chicago. And they have two Scotty dogs that live in this building. But the Scotty dogs are like fucking bred with a dachshund. So they're like Scotty dogs, but they're like long Scotty dogs. Fuck you, and they're like all short and shit. They're fucking awesome. When they turn, like their whole body is like fucking like a rubber band. They're the best, man. They're the fucking coolest looking dogs I've ever seen. They got little beards. They're and they wear coats in the winter. It's fucking, oh, yeah, oh, I love it. I fucking love it. Hey there, how's
3: it going? Right. I saw your sign. And I'm here for my stoning. I'm 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 a lesbian. You guys are gonna stone me? So this story comes from the Raw story. Uh, Harlem Pastor, God curses Homo supporters with cancer, HIV, and syphilis. And then hell. At least he throws hell it's in there at the It's a loving God. End. It's a loving God. He sounds like a great dude, man.
4: What a sweetheart that God is, really. This guy's head is perfectly round, too. <laughs> I just wanted to point that out. It's like you could fucking put a compass on his nose and spin that fucker, and it'd be perfectly wrenched around his face. Well, it's actually it's actually advantageous
3: that way, since he was not gifted with a neck of any kind. Yeah. <laughs> so you got to have it's that true. perfectly round ball. Yeah. It's, you know what it's like, Cecil? It's like a fucking owl. Yeah. <laughs>
4: You know, like an owl. <laughs> Turn his fucking head 362, which is
3: crazy. He has like, like an owl's head is just like, yeah, I fucking rotate like a
4: satellite dish yeah. on this fucking thing. What's up? He has like a four minute little thing. Let's play parts of it, Tom, and talk about it. So here's That sounds great. This guy who's talking about how he wants to He just basically hates all the things. And this is from um you know, this is a video from ATLA Worldwide. It was broadcast on July 24th, 2014.
1: Our children are special. They always have been, they always will be. But right now, our children are under a massive attack by the homosexual lobby, especially within the public school systems. And I'm here today to plead with you to take your children out of these systems and give them an opportunity of natural sexual maturity. Within the school systems, they are being influenced at a time at which their minds are very tender and they really know not exactly what to choose except to go along with peer pressure. <laughs> what the
3: fuck? Oh my God. Can you imagine how tough that peer pressure would be? It's oh like, my gosh, smoke a cigarette. I don't really want to say, fucking smoke a cigarette. I don't know if I want to say, fucking smoke a cigarette and then suck a dick. <laughs> suck a dick. Wait a minute.
4: No one's ever done that, man. And you know, like how many kids get their ass kicked every fucking year because they're homosexual in, in high school? Like how many kids, the other students, find out they're gay or assume they're gay, even if they're not, and right. just beat the fuck they're out of them or whatever. Yeah, yeah. if they're a feminine whatever, they just they just think, oh, well, that kid's gay oh, well, I'm going to beat the shit out of them. And they beat the fuck out of them. And that happens all the time. Where's the peer pressure? Wouldn't that turn that gay kid into a straight kid? I mean, that's peer yeah. pressure if I've ever seen it.
3: It's so funny how they reverse the narrative of actuality to make it seem like... First of all, they make it seem like anybody is actually choosing their sexuality. Like, like it's a fucking Scantron sheet. And you're like, hmm, am I going to be
4: sexually attracted I- to... Which gender? I don't know. It's fucking tough choice. It's like a smorgasbord. You walk up there with tongs, and there's like a big pile of penises and a big pile of pussies, and you're just like, <laughs> I don't know. What do I want tonight? Uh, do right, I want like, the salty or do I want the sweet, you know? <laughs> I don't know. I could
3: kind of go either way. I don't have any natural proclivity. <laughs> Let me stick
4: one of these cocks in these pussies and eat it like that see how that fucking works out for me. <laughs>
3: It's like you go to the eye doctor, except for instead of like putting the thing in front of your eye and then like flipping it back and forth, it's like better or worse. It's like you hold out your fucking left hand and your right hand. and It's like you got like a fucking boob in one hand and a dick in the other. It's like better. <laughs> Or Or worse. Better or worse. Better or worse. And you're like, I have such a hard time. Like they're both (laughs) literally a hard time. (laughs) I can't decide which I'm attracted to.
1: They should not be pressured into making a decision to become homosexual. Now, we'd like to provide an opportunity for you here in the New York City area to bring your children to the Otla uh, Elementary and High School uh, right here. At 123rd Street and Lenox Avenue in the middle of New York City. I am the founder of the school that's 20 years old. Our principal, uh, Adam Jacob LaFleur, has a master's in the mathematical sciences and has been with this ministry in school for more than 15 years himself. We also have a free uh, breakfast uh, program for the community and for the school and Uh, We have perhaps the best curriculum you'll find anywhere at any time.
4: Wait, the best
3: curriculum at any time ever? Anytime. It's the best curriculum in the world ever. Fuck you. I don't know know about that. Fuck. No, stop. (laughs) Fuck you. Best curriculum ever.
1: (laughs) That's true. (laughs) We train our students to focus on getting a PhD degree before they have completed their educational process. But going back to the issues at hand, as a parent, guardian, and loved one, you ought to give your child the opportunity to mature uh, naturally in their sexual understanding, but they will not get that in the public school system. There'll be so much pressure, or there is at present pressure on children to choose to glorify homosexuality. God disapproves of
4: it. What is going on? on
1: there <laughs> God
4: disapproves of it well there's, there's a lot of chances for glory holes too not just glorifying
1: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> don't let anyone tell you that homosexuality is not wrong and that Jesus never said anything about it both Jesus and Peter clearly addressed the issue Jesus said what Moses promoted in the book of Leviticus as an abomination of homosexuality is the law and he will never change it. He also stated on the issue of stoning, he stated that he that is without sin can cast the first stone. And of course, you know, anyone that is righteous can indeed cast the first stone. Now, I'm not here. Wait, 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 wait.
3: Fucking hold the phone. (laughs) Now, I'm not a fucking biblical
4: scholar, but isn't that turning that whole fucking parable <laughs> a bit on its motherfucking head? No, I, I think I think he's got it right. I think what he's saying is, I am completely without sin, and so are the righteous. And I guess the righteous are people who follow him.
3: Holy shit, I cannot—that is seriously—like, that is, seriously, like, is legitimately—since we start, we're 168 episodes into this show, that's the most fucking self-sanctimonious bullshit I have heard yet. Where you're actually saying, like, you know what? You know what God was actually, you know what Jesus was actually saying? is like, hey, if you're righteous, it's cool if you fucking throw rocks at another human being. That's really the story that's being told there.
4: Yeah, I know. Really? That's exactly, that's exactly how I feel, too. It's just like, it's almost like he's saying, when God said don't murder, he didn't mean me. <laughs> <You know>? Right. <laughs> like, yeah. No, 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 no. Hold on a minute. That's for you fucking unclean
3: Scotty dog lovers. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That's not for me. I got a fucking school full of people with PhDs. I can fucking throw rocks. You know what I do? I fucking I throw, I stone seriously like six, nine year old girls every morning with my coffee because I love Jesus.
4: Well, he does. Now Now he does say that he, he doesn't approve of stoning in the very next sentence.
1: How can he say
4: that? Hold on, no, let's listen to the whole thing again. It's when he's talking about stoning. He
1: stated that he that is without sin can cast the first stone. And, of course, you know, anyone that is righteous can indeed cast the first stone. Now, I'm not here promoting stoning. I'm simply countering the homosexual mafias. Homosexual mafia?
4: What is the homosexual mafia? What exactly are they? Like, what's the bootlegger, pro, like, item that they're running? Like, butt plugs across the border? Like, what exactly are they? <laughs> it's just fucking dental dams
3: and condoms. Yeah. <laughs> It's like That's, like, all, all it is. is. It's just,
4: like, big boxes of condoms. They're shipping in. And everybody's in. like,
3: hey, man, those are legal. Like, you, <laughs> you don't know, you, have you to. You get a
4: handful of those at Planned Parenthood for free. Yeah, it's like, no,
3: no, we want to we make sure the homosexual mafia, it's like, and they walk in here, they walk into your place, they're like, hey, it's a great place you have here. It'd be shame if somebody fucked with your throw pillows. By replacing them with these. It'd be be a shame (laughs) if
4: someone redecorated in here.
1: (laughs) Uh, Statements uh, that are inaccurate and that are flat out lies against Jesus. Paul also talks about it in Romans chapter 1. And Peter talks about it in Second Peter uh, chapter 2 uh, throughout the entire first 10 verses of that chapter. So Jesus did address it. It's wrong, my friend. It's just wrong. And it's wrong for our children to think that they have to make such a horrid choice uh, for the balance of their lives. I'm asking you to bring your children to our school right here. And yes, this is a promotion for our school. <laughs> it's good. He's like, yeah, no, no. I I mean, it's clearly a commercial for my school. I
4: mean, come on. But I really want to make sure that your kids somehow don't choose being gay.
3: Yeah, it's a commercial for the school, and I'm not going to gain monetarily, except for that I'm going to gain monetarily from it. But anyway, uh, your kids will be gay if they don't go to my school. So you should totally send them here unless you want gay kids. That will burn a lake of fire for all of eternity. But I'm just saying. If you love your kids, we'll give them free breakfast, and the public schools will give them dicks in the butt. I'm just saying. I mean, <laughs> it's your join, choice,
4: parents. They're going to join the homosexual mafia. They come home, you would be like, honey, what do you do for a living? I told you not to ask that, Ma. <laughs> right? <laughs> just, just, all you do is look at your, like, your fucking kid, like, looks at you and just slowly
3: shuts just the, the door. door in your face.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> Don't ask me about my homosexual business.
4: Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> so we're here speaking with Dale McGowan uh, from the... Foundation beyond belief, and uh, and Dale, uh, if people don't know about you or the foundation, could you let them know uh, who you are and what the foundation does? Uh,
2: sure, I'm executive director of the foundation, and uh, it is a humanist uh, charitable foundation. It's a membership foundation uh, that supports charities around the world, and uh, the way it works, uh, people sign up for an automatic monthly donation in the amount of their choice, and then we feature five charities per quarter, and people are able to distribute their funds however they'd like among those five charities so uh sometimes we'll have members who are really interested in human rights they might put 100 percent of their donations toward human rights each time or uh, somebody might split it 50 50 between poverty and education uh, we just allow the members to uh, distribute however they'd like uh, at the end of each quarter we uh send 100% of the money that was collected to the charities that were featured. Uh, and at the moment we're giving grants, uh, totaling about $60,000 per quarter, uh, in the, since the foundation launched a little over four years ago, we've raised, um, over $1.6 million for these charities. Oh my God. That's amazing.
4: Have you been, have you been the executive director the entire time? I have. Yeah. Uh, why were you chosen as, as the director?
2: Uh, i founded the organization and <laughs> <laughs> that, kinda,
4: <laughs> that gives you a leg up
2: <laughs> that's
4: the best way to do it you know that's right. you, you just you just start your own you play by your own rules that's awesome okay <laughs> we uh, we i was at the uh, the humanism at work conference here in chicago for the first day and uh, one of the one of the people said something very interesting they said you know they really love these large donations they love to get lots of money but one of the things that they were very, very uh, happy to get, and one of the things that they were stressing that people who don't donate should give is these monthly donations because it helps these people budget. Is, th- is that something that you got? You are interested in doing as well, lower, lower amounts but monthly?
2: Uh, yeah, that was actually the intention of the foundation from the beginning, uh, the idea that One thing that has to be made clear is the foundation isn't about demonstrating that humanists and atheists are good people. Uh, That's a fine byproduct, but that's not at all what we're about. What we're actually trying to do is create a giving culture in the humanist community, and uh, people are already plenty generous as individuals. People support causes that they care about, Uh, but to create a habit of giving. Uh, that's a different thing. That's a different uh, level of engagement. That's what we wanted to do. And one of my favorite things to get is, um, you know, I'll get a message from somebody who, uh, uh, a couple of months ago, I got a message from somebody who's a member and he uh, just graduated from college. He doesn't have a lot of money. Uh, he's in his first job and he signed up for a membership at $10 a month uh, to give to these charities. And at the end of the year, he sent for his tax receipt and he said, oh my gosh, I gave $120. I gave this year, uh, to charities. And he said, there's absolutely no way he would have done that. If he hadn't been part of this organization, he might've given $5 here, you know, $10 there when something passed his view. But by committing to this sort of monthly engagement, he was able to say, Hey, you know, as a humanist, I'm engaged in making the world a better place. Uh, I'm doing it on a regular basis. And, and I gave much more this year than I would have if I was just on my own.
3: Yeah. You know, it reminds me of, uh um, you know, uh, uh, locally, the, the public radio station is uh, WBEZ, the, the, the local uh, 91.5. Yeah. And they a couple of years back, they came out with what they call their high fidelity program, right? Where you like, instead of having the quarterly drive or the, you know, biannual drive or whatever they did, you could basically sign up and it just hits your credit card every month. And it was very clear yeah. from the get go that that's a better system. Like that's just a system that's going to generate a better and more consistent stream of revenue. Um, So that makes a lot of sense. And those models seem to have a lot to inform one another. Um, I'm curious, uh, how do you choose the charities that you're going to be um, engaging and and supporting?
2: Well, we are constantly searching for charities and we have a nomination form on our charity, on our uh, website. So any uh, charity any uh, group or individual that wants to nominate somebody thinks they'd be a good beneficiary can fill out that form but we're also constantly scouring the nonprofit world to find charities that we think will really interest uh, our members uh, that'll get people really engaged and we're always looking for charities relatively small our preferences for budgets under 10 million dollars a year which sounds huge but in the non in the uh, charity world that's actually these are the really uh, um, Uh, small to moderate sized charities um, that we're going after. Uh, Because, you know, the American Red Cross, they do great work, uh, but they're not going to really notice our input. Uh, But if you have a a charity with, you know, let's say three or four million dollars a year and you drop a $12,000 grant on them, they actually notice that's something that's going to really Um, you know, be a significant uh, contribution to their annual uh, work. So we're looking for charities in that range. We're looking for evidence-based charities um, who give, uh, you know, good feedback on the effectiveness of their approaches. Uh, We're looking for charities that are good at telling their own stories, you know, charities that are out there. um, They're going to give us information that's going to allow us to tell their story to our members so that they can be engaged and enthusiastic enthusiastic about supporting as well. Uh, and then we want to see innovative approaches, some charities that are helping to uh, sort of, um, you know, create the model for the next uh, um, uh, the next wave of uh, approaching whatever problem they're dealing with. Uh, there's a perfect example of that was uh, there's a uh, an organization in Chicago called Cure Violence, uh, which is actually run out of the University of Illinois, Chicago. And uh, it's an absolutely uh, fascinating model they've got, um, they treat violence like an epidemic disease, and they actually apply uh, disease models to the spread of violence and disease prevention epidemiology. Uh, concepts to uh, controlling violence uh, looking for vectors looking for causes isolating causes and so on and they've had this tremendous effectiveness in certain chicago neighborhoods where they've actually uh, caused the violence rate to plummet when they start to apply this disease model that's the sort of thing that catches our attention it caught the members' attention and we ended up giving them a good level of support. I think uh, we, uh, they were a beneficiary about a year ago. So it's just we have a database of, uh, gosh, now I think we're up to like uh, uh, almost 500 charities that have been deeply vetted by our vetting staff. And uh, then we choose each... Uh, quarter, we choose a slate that we think is going to be a good uh, um, combination and a good group of unique charities to, to uh, uh, interest the members. So when you donate to a
3: charity, do you ask that they report back any information as far as metrics are concerned, or do you do all the vetting up front, donate, and then just kind of watch and see what happens with your money? In other words, do you ask specifically like, hey, I'm, I'm giving you $12,000 and here's what I like that 12,000 earmarked
2: toward? Uh, Yes, we sometimes we earmark it. Um, uh, Sometimes we don't. We just say this is, you know, this is for you're doing great work. Uh, um, This is we want to support that work. But we always ask for a report for how the money was spent, um, you know, and some sort of indication that it had an effective impact. Uh, That's not something we used to do when we started out uh, at the beginning of 2010. Uh, Our grants were fairly small. We only had uh, a few members. We were giving grants in the neighborhood of about $1,000 to $1,200, which, you know, for a nonprofit, they're grateful to receive that. But we asked less of them at that point. Now we're giving grants 10 times that size, $12,000 grants. And at that point, we can really uh, sort of have the muscle to say, uh, yeah, we really want to have a report on this. We really want to be able to take something to our members that shows that their contribution really made a difference.
4: So some people have extra cash, clearly, but some don't. Some don't have the extra cash, but they want to do charitable work. Do you help uh, help place anyone in any kind of charitable situation where they can do some sort of labor? Uh,
2: yeah, actually, one of the things that our members expressed an interest in that um, pretty early on in going beyond the giving program and starting to create you know sort of a more direct hands-on uh, um um, volunteering situation. So we created volunteers beyond belief, uh, which eventually grew into the beyond belief network. We now have 95 humanist volunteer teams around the United States, um, in, uh, gosh, I think now we're in over 30 States. And these are teams that are volunteering in their local, co- local communities, volunteering in food banks and, uh, homeless shelters and, uh, doing blood drives and, and uh, trash pickup and the whole range of uh, uh, volunteer work. Um, so what you can do is go to our website. We've actually got it divided into humanist giving and uh, volunteering. And you click on volunteering and you can get information about uh, a volunteer team that might be in your community so basically what we're trying to do is get existing humanist and atheist groups to make volunteering a bigger part of what they do and that's been working really well through that program
4: so there's like a there's uh many different types of organizations have like a year of service now i when i was at the humanism at work conference i had i had a, a chance to see that some people were doing that uh with a humanist twist can you tell us a little bit about that uh, yeah,
2: actually, we um, there's been an evolution around that. Uh, you know, you've got the National Day of Prayer um, every year, and uh, initially there was a uh, a movement in free thought to have a National Day of Action. Uh, the idea is, you know, oh, we want to nice. go beyond just uh, uh, mumbling some words. Uh, we want to actually make a difference happen with our hands, with our actions in the world. Uh, this has actually expanded to a week of action that we typically do uh, in the week uh, right around the time of the National Day of Prayer. And uh, this year, um, we served as sort of a focal point. We worked with Adam Shalom, who is a, a secular humanist rabbi there in, um, in Chicago, and uh, also with... Um, Uh, with the help of Harvard Humanists and put together uh, the Week of Action and uh, encouraged groups around the country to uh, specifically focus on service and volunteering in their communities during that week. And and we were able to get a lot of uh, um, uh, sort of great collective uh, work done during that time.
3: No, no, hang on a minute. Are you suggesting that doing stuff is actually better than just hoping really hard toward
4: the sky? <laughs> well, the research like, is out. <laughs> you know, the jury is still out on
2: this, but uh, it's kind of the the hunch we've got.
4: <laughs> you know, it's interesting. Um, I work on occasion with some uh, some Catholic charities, and one of the Catholic charities that I work with is a very interesting model. Um, they get students that just graduated from college. And they ask them to dedicate a year in a place. So the one in particular that I'm thinking of is in Denver, Colorado. And the students come there. They support them for a full year. And they uh, they let those students uh, go and work in the communities. They, they actually get them jobs and let them work in the communities as uh, as full-time volunteers for an entire year. And then they spend that year reflecting uh, as well as working full-time for these charities. Uh is there now uh, there was a group of people that kind of went off and did a whole like travel around the world sort of uh, a bit of service for the humanists, didn't they?
2: Yeah, they did. Uh, this is a new program of ours. It, uh, we sponsored something called Pathfinders Project uh, in this past year. And uh, this is a uh, this was an uh, Uh, a year to lay the groundwork for a permanent humanist service corps, uh, an international humanist service corps. Uh, So for one year, this team of humanists, um, uh, three humanists traveled around the world. Um, uh, There was initially a fourth humanist in the uh, team as well. Um, She had to come home a little bit early, uh, but the three humanists finished out the the year, went to a total of eight countries, uh, 10 different volunteer sites, and uh, volunteered in uh, a whole range of activities. Education, they worked in a uh, school for underprivileged kids in Cambodia. Uh, they worked on water sustainability projects in South America. They uh, worked on a human rights, uh, human rights work in Africa, um, in, uh, primarily in northern Ghana. They did an education project in Uganda. Uh, they worked with Leo Igwe in Ghana in the witchcraft accusation camps. These are camps where Whoa. women who oh, are man. kicked out of their communities because they're accused of, uh, of witchcraft uh, come to these camps. And uh, Leo is working with them and advocating for the victims of these accusations. And our, the Pathfinders worked with them as well. So the purpose of this year was to... Um, do the research and lay the groundwork for a permanent core now Connor robinson who was the leader of that trip uh is now the director of the uh of this uh program for the next year he's going to be planning the humanist service corps and starting next summer we're going to be sending a team to ghana Uh, For one year in a single place. This is the idea of the new core similar to the Peace Corps. It's like a Peace Corps for humanists. And uh, so you can watch our website for announcements. We're going to be accepting applications in the fall. I believe it's October that the application period is going to open up. Uh, But this is a really exciting new program. Uh, The hope is to have uh, permanent humanist service teams working globally starting next year
4: we've, we've sort of alluded to it and we've mentioned it a few times the humanism at work conference what was that all about and, and what uh what kind of uh what was your plan going in and how do you think it went overall
2: oh the, it was it was just a joy it was really a fantastic thing uh, we um the idea of the of humanism at work was to have uh well, one of the things was to have an atheist conference that didn't primarily talk about God. Uh, <laughs> most of the uh, most of the free thought conferences I go to uh, you know it's fun and I love it and it, it's terrific and there's a lot of you know uh, you know poking and poking religion in the eye and all that kind of stuff it's it's really great. but there's a point when I'd, I'd like to actually talk about something other than uh, religion and other than bouncing ourselves off this other worldview. so the idea was to um, to have a conference that's talking entirely about what we are doing, what our positive contribution is as humanists and how we can build a better humanist contribution to philanthropy, to volunteerism, how we can increase our engagement as individuals. I wanted to focus entirely on the stories of uh, people, these amazing people who are out in the world now putting their humanism to work, people like Leo Igwe and uh, like Emily Gonzalez who runs a charity in Calcutta that is currently, uh, building a school and working on, uh, poverty in the, uh, in the slums of Calcutta and doing it right, you know, not doing it in this way, uh, that, you know, uh, the sisters of, uh, what is the missionaries of charity, uh, um, Mother Teresa's organization, uh, you know, there's been a lot of revelations recently about the fact that, uh, uh, this charity, the practices of this charity are really uh, terrifying when you look into yeah. um, you know the the way they actually uh, work in these um, in these conditions. And whether it's a religious organization or not doesn't matter. It's an organization that's not um, addressing the causes in a way that's going to be sustainable and build capacity in these communities. So Hemley is there. Uh, he's devoting his life to uh, serving the poor of Calcutta and lifting them out of that poverty, primarily through education. That's really a, an absolutely fantastic uh, uh, example. Sarah Blaine, who lived homeless on the streets of uh, which lived without shelter on the streets of Phoenix for a month last year to draw attention to a shelter that's closing. Uh, Carmen Zepp, who has started uh, feeding the homeless in Raleigh, North Carolina, every Saturday. Uh, these are humanists who are out there putting humanism to work. And we wanted to bring them to Chicago. We wanted to have them tell their stories, and then we wanted to have uh, speakers talking about uh, uh, evidence-based uh, giving and uh, uh, how individuals can get more involved in their own communities. So we just wanted that focus to be, uh, you know, that uh, a really different uh, kind of conference. And it was amazing. I I, I knew it was going to be good uh on paper you could see wow that's great look at these great speakers um look at this great plan but when you actually get them there and you start to get the cumulative effect of these stories and of this approach and the positive energy in the crowd, it was stunning. I just was really blown away by uh what it was like
3: there. You know it strikes me that it's amazing what you can do when you don't look at poverty as a virtue. You know, when you look at poverty as what it is, which is not something to be sort of enshrined as a, as, a, as a virtuous act, like, oh, man, yeah, we, we got to have some poverty now and again when you look at it as a fucking problem to solve. Um, you know, one of the things that you had mentioned uh, was that, um, you know, you weren't doing this to show that humanists are uh, charitable, to show that humanists are, you know, capable of giving too. But um, I can't help but think, man— the word needs to get out. Like the people need to know, like everybody needs to know, not so we can pat ourselves on the back and say, you know, great job, but so that more humanists can come out of the woodwork and contact your organization and volunteer their time and volunteer their money, um, and, and give to the organization what they have to offer because Cecil and I have been moved doing this show many times by the, uh, unbelievable generosity when we've done, um, you know, some charitable fundraising. Um, so what kinds of things do you do to get the message out, to, get, to, to, to draw attention to what it is that you're focusing on? Um, do you focus on the charities? Do you focus on the foundation? What are your methods to, to sort of alert the media and alert the public and get the word out?
2: Uh, well, there are lots of prongs to it. Uh, social media is a big, uh, big way we do this. We've got over 11,000 um, uh, people in our uh, Facebook group, uh, and we're constantly telling uh, not just our own story, not just what's going on in the foundation, but whatever our five featured charities are for the given quarter, uh, we're constantly mining um, their own messaging to, uh, to bring that, uh, that work to our members. The idea is to... Uh, um, to keep people engaged in what's going on in the world, uh, it's it's really easy to be detached from that. But we're getting better and better, I think, at, at uh, storytelling uh, in an effective way. You know, an example is um, uh, it's most effective to tell the story about one person. Uh, you don't want to go in and say, uh, you know, we helped 600 girls in Kenya get an education. Uh, what you want to do is focus on this one girl focus on beatrice the story of beatrice who got an education f- through camfed because we you know we supported camfed and this is an example of what our work is doing you want to tell the story of the student who is now in college in guatemala on a full four year ride on the foundation beyond belief scholarship uh, this is an indigenous guatemalan student who showed a lot of promise in high school, but was not going to be able to go to college until we stepped forward and uh, created this college scholarship full four-year ride through Roots and Wings International. So it's by bringing all of those stories to people and saying, join us in this, you know, be a part of this, give $5 a month, give 10, whatever you, you know, what we really recommend people do is to give what you won't notice. Start there don't say okay i'm going to give something that hurts right away because you know maybe you won't do that but sign up for something that you won't notice coming out of your account for a lot of people that might be 5 dollars a month and then 6 months in all of a sudden you realize hey you know i haven't even noticed that coming out i'm going to bump it up so you you click on the button on our website that allows you to go up a level and you go up to 10 dollars a month or 15 or 20 whatever you want to do so the technique is through social media storytelling through uh, videos, we have quarterly videos that go out, through press releases, um, through interviews. We try to constantly keep this story in front of the general public and also in front of the free thought community so we can see uh, not only that this is going on, but how gratifying it is to be a part of this, to contribute to this kind of thing and to uh, to be engaged in a positive way in building a better world.
4: Do I get, like, if I do $50 a month, do I get, like, a free tote bag or...
2: (laughs) You you know what's interesting about that? We, um... We actually tried that, uh, not a tote bag, but uh, we tried some incentives like that and the members slapped it down.
4: <laughs> it's no it awesome. really like great. two
2: years ago or something, we had some, you know, hey, if you donate during this month, you know, you're gonna be in a drawing or something. And we got emails from people who said, stop that. <laughs> <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I, good for great. One of the It's interesting. I've, I've actually looked at some of the research on this since then and realized um, that, you know, it's one thing if it's a public radio station sure, or something, sure. that's a different thing. But if you are a charitable organization, People want to give and feel the um, uh, the satisfaction of being a generous person. You know, this is that's actually a that feels good. If instead I juxtapose this thing, I insert this gift in there, hey, give because people uh, really need our help, and you might win this prize. you right, know that right. really ruins it for people yeah. so we have actually <laughs> backed entirely off those kind of incentives. We just do it by telling our members how grateful we are for their support and by letting them see the impact of their donations
4: how did you How did you get your start in philanthropy?
2: Well, I really have to go back to my uh my first work in the free thought community, which was in non-religious parenting. Um, I uh, was looking for a need in the free thought community and I'm a parent myself. And um, I went looking for uh, books, looking for resources on uh, non-religious parenting and there was just nothing out there at all. So I ended up uh, creating Parenting Beyond Belief, and Raising Freethinkers, which uh, were the first two comprehensive resources for non-religious parents. And that was great. Those are successful. They're selling very well. I do seminars and talks and that sort of thing on non-religious parenting. And then I was ready to look for the next need. What's something else that the Freethought community needs? And I recognized that this systematic giving culture, is something that we really needed to have. This is an advantage that religious people have. And you know we can just put it right out there. Um, when they point out that churchgoers give more of their discretionary income than non-churchgoers, lots of studies show that this is actually the case. I'd actually be shocked if it wasn't true. Because these people, 52 times a year, walk into a church and have a gold plate passed yep, in front of them yep. full of the donations of their friends and neighbors. And then they're asked to donate or not. You know, And they're in this inspirational setting. They've heard about the need in the world and they plop a 20 in the plate. Um, that is an incentive and it's also a systematic giving opportunity. I wanted to create the same kind of thing for the free thought community. And I started thinking, well, how could we do this? We're not gathering once a week in, in, in a room, at least not all of us. Um, how can we do this? And so we gradually built this model of rotating charities, of an automatic uh, donation, and of us bringing the story to the members. So uh, it was really just a matter of trying to fill a need and hoping that people would show up, that they would come when we opened up the opportunity, and they did, and, and the the support has just been terrific.
3: Have you ever been turned down when you try to help a charity? Have you ever said like, hey, we're Foundation Beyond Belief, and they said, Ah.
2: Yeah. Pass. Yes, we have. Really? Yeah. Tell me about Uh, that. uh, About five times, I think it's. uh, I think we're up to five times now. Um, But I mean, I have to preface that by saying uh, 115 times we have not been turned down. So it's much less common uh, than you might think. Um, uh, When we are turned down, and I don't give the names, of the charities or anything like that, because, um, Come on. It turn, you know, it turns into, a thing. <laughs> I'm sorry, you can edit that. Out. Um, because I, well, the reason I don't actually is, um, I want us to be about the positive thing. And if we, if we were to say, hey, these idiots, you know, wouldn't accept our, our one of the stories got out uh, one time. Um, but um, if we said that, that becomes what it's all about. And then yeah. the narrative becomes, oh, look at the atheist whining again, you know? Right. I don't want that right. to be the narrative. I want the narrative to be the positive stuff we're doing. I want to talk about the people who are willing to work with us. So, but what happened, it's interesting. The ones who turn it down, almost always turn it down for the same reason. They are worried about other people's reactions. It's not even their sure. own dogma. It's not even their own uh, uh, bigotry. They're concerned about alienating other donors. And I think they always overestimate this. I really think it's, um, it's something that, and this is something that charities do all the time. Um, there was a story in the news a couple of years ago. Um, I don't even remember the charity now, but Rod Blagojevich's wife, Patty, you're in Illinois, right? So, yeah, is that yeah, yeah,
4: sure, yeah.
2: Uh, Patty Blagojevich uh, wanted to give $50,000 to a muscular dystrophy charity or something like that, and they turned her down. Um, and the reason was that they felt that associating with her, and this is right in the middle of the whole mess, um, was going to uh, you know cast a bad light on the charity. So it's actually a calculation that charities make all the time. Uh, we're hoping that by being a positive uh, force in philanthropy and being this... Uh, engaged in a positive way, that's going to start to go away. Uh, that over time, this kind of engagement is going to make people, uh, uh, see us as, you know, philanthropists, just see us as uh, no different from anybody else and to not worry about what some third party is going to think. So yes, it happens once in a while. It's the great minority of times. And, uh, I, I just, try to breeze right past it.
3: Is paying my mortgage considered a charity? If so, I will not <laughs> do you know what?
2: You know what you can do? Fill out the form on our website <laughs> and see what happens.
4: Oh, Tom will fill it out for everything because he's the cheapest man I've ever met. So That's he will true. fill it out. It's, He'll fill so it out for a cup of Starbucks cheap. in the morning. Just That's mark awesome. the form. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so one of the things that you did mention, and I didn't want to touch on this, you had said that, you know, religious people do give more money and it's, there are studies that show now, one of the things that I think is interesting is when you give money to a church, if you're sitting in the church, you're paying for a lot of what that church is doing, which is housing the people that put on all the things that the church does. It, it, there's a lot of overhead costs. What yeah. kind of overhead costs does the foundation have?
2: Well, we have less than a church, first of all, <laughs> um, but uh, we have, um, we have uh, 10 part-time staffers. Uh, we have website costs, we have transaction costs, and that sort of thing. But those don't come out of the charity donations. That's one of the key things in our model. 100%. When you give a dollar, that dollar goes to um, uh, to the charity that you designate. No kidding. Uh, now members have the option of saying uh, they can opt to. Uh, designate a certain percentage for the foundation as well if they wish and some members do and some members don't it's perfectly fine most of our operations are actually paid for by outside grants and donations if people uh, um, give us a one time donation like in our year-end drive or if we get a grant from an outside agency or something that's what's running our operations we decided early on that um, you know people can go directly to these charities and support them if they want So if we're inserting ourselves as a middleman, if we're trying to bring the humanist community together, we didn't want to devalue the donations by taking a percentage off the top. Um, So right away we said we are going to fund ourselves through separate donation streams and all of the donations to the charities go to the charities. That's a terrible way to get rich.
3: Yeah, it's not working <laughs> it's at all. I'm like, <laughs> you're <laughs> never, I mean, I may not be the world's best yeah. businessman,
4: but you are never going to get rich. Never going to get that. rich. This is definitively not Scrooge McDuck approved. That's all <laughs> <Right>? I'm saying.
3: <laughs> so what are the charities that you're working with now? You said there's five charities that you guys work with. What are the charities that you're working with right now?
2: Yeah, this is, um, uh, we always have five categories. Um, So there's always an education charity, always human rights, um, always um, uh, poverty and health, uh, one charity for the natural world. And then there's a charity um, called um, Challenge the Gap is one of our um, uh, categories. Challenge the Gap is actually always a religious charity. This is an interesting uh, option. We choose one progressive religious charity that does not proselytize and does good work for the common good. And uh, that's something that our members expressed an interest in early on. And some people just enthusiastically support it. Some people don't want to, and they put their money off to the side. But uh, one, category, one charity for each category in poverty and health right now, uh, we're supporting an organization called Soil. Uh, they work in Haiti. And there are two, there are two problems in Haiti, one, uh, uh, two endemic problems. One is human waste disposal because it frequently gets into the water supply and causes diseases. And the other one is um, they have uh, infertile soil. So this organization has actually figured out a way to convert human waste into soil, into arable soil um, um, components. And they are uh, sort of helping to solve both of these problems at once. That's one of those innovative approaches that we always look for. In the natural world category, uh, it's Rainforest Foundation U.S., uh, which is a rainforest conservation organization. In education, uh, Washington Women's Employment is an organization working in, uh, with women in the Washington, D.C. area, uh, women who are in the lower socioeconomic level and in need of employment training in order to enter the work's workforce. Uh, in human rights, we've got an interesting organization right now called Footsteps, which is an organization that works with people who have been in um, uh, conservative Orthodox Jewish communities, especially in New York, and are uh, looking to leave those communities and enter the mainstream world. And this is a traumatic transition because frequently uh, these people, um, uh, they have no uh, experience with technology. They have no knowledge of the outside world. In some cases, they don't speak English because they have only spoken Hebrew or Yiddish in the home. Uh, And this is an organization that helps people transition out of these cloistered communities into the uh, larger world. And then in Challenge the Gap, it's actually another outstanding um, Chicago um, organization called the Knight Ministry. This is an interfaith um, organization, several different uh, churches in the Chicago area. Uh, who uh, work with the homeless and they have a um, uh, like a bus. It's kind of an RV uh, that goes around and brings um, uh, supplies, personal supplies, and uh, um, uh, helps uh, also provide some programs to help uh, homeless people transition out of homelessness. Really an outstanding uh, program. And uh, one of the nice things is in Challenge the Gap, if, you, uh, if we feature an interfaith organization. uh, They're almost guaranteed to not be proselytizing because as soon as you have uh, a Jewish organization, a Christian organization, an Islamic organization, these various things working together, uh, then they're not actually even able to effectively proselytize a single view uh, and they will just get down to the business of doing good work. And uh, that's, we look to be sure that that's what's going on, that there's no proselytizing and that there's an effective uh, uh, program that's actually going on and the night ministries doing that. So that's that's our slate for this quarter.
4: Now, if people were going to find Foundation Beyond Belief or want to donate, how would they go about doing that?
2: You go to foundationbeyondbelief.org and you click on contribute, and uh, that'll take you to the, uh, the page or join today. We've got several links all over the homepage that can set you up, and you can either uh, set up a monthly donation through PayPal or credit card or Google wallet. We've got several ways to do that. Uh, you can also just click in and get more information about the organization FoundationBeyondBelief.org.
4: Thank you so much for your work. It is amazing. Uh, the things that you're doing and, and just know that a small part of the humanist community, at least us two, we really stand behind you and we think you're doing amazing stuff.
2: Oh, I appreciate that very much. Thanks for that.
4: so uh we want to thank all of our patrons thank you so much for donating money and we want to thank uh, especially the the newest patrons uh joseph alexander scott west Sasha, glenn erica pekka aaron and max thank you all so much for becoming brand new patrons we appreciate uh the donations and uh and your money goes a long way to making sure the show is possible so thank you very much
3: Yeah, thank you very much. I do plan to embezzle the money and make sure that Cecil does not have an opportunity to make use of any of it. Tom, that's the most most
4: fancy thing you've ever done if you embezzle it.
3: (laughs) My embezzlement would just be like, Cecil, Cecil,
4: what's the bank account number? (laughs) (laughs) It's funny because the bank account's in your name anyway. You'd have to ask me what the number is. We got a message from Helen, Tom, and Helen says, um, she sent a message basically talking about uh, she really liked uh, our idea of uh, what we talked about with Islam on 165, and uh, we talked a little bit about sort of putting ourselves in their shoes, and she also says, and I, I think that this is this is very funny, she says, on a completely different note, has anyone in the atheist community examined the fact that the male G-spot is in the bunghole, as evidenced as evidence against, A, intelligent design, or B, homosexuality being unnatural. <laughs> I, like, I think that's great. It's one or the other. Which one is it? That's great. I don't know. Maybe Jesus just liked a finger in his ass. Who knows? Yeah, pick your poison. <laughs> pick your poison. Pick your prostate is more like that. <laughs> uh, that's a
3: great point. Thank you, Helen. That's funny.
4: We got a message from Mike, too, and Mike, uh, Mike has a interesting thing that he had sent along he sent along a a big long piece about um uh about hot sauce and uh and how i guess it's a it's a uh punishment for children which is just fucking horrifying um but yeah man and vinegaring your kids too it's fucking i I, what do you give them a miracle fruit beforehand like what is what's (laughs) going on there but the, the best part about this i think is the last bit when he's like how could you guys forget the dinosaur with the best vocabulary is the thesaurus? I thought that was great. That was very that funny. It you. laugh. It's a dad joke. It's so good. It's so good. Oh, I love fucking. That's
3: one of those jokes at the end of like, here's a fucking bunch <laughs> of dead kids who suffered horribly.
4: Also, <laughs> dinosaur joke. <laughs> Uh, it's a thesaurus. I love it. Oh, it's great. We want to thank uh, Dale McGowan from Foundation Beyond Belief uh, for joining us. He's uh, just doing amazing work, and Foundation Beyond Belief—it's one of those—you know—if you can spare the five bucks a month, it's—it's it's a great organization to be involved with. They're doing great work, and and the stuff that they're that they're putting out, the 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 grants that they're giving out, um, are reaching people that uh, and, and reaching humanist charities that are helping people out and that are really well vetted you know i think that's one of the problems that uh, many people have with giving money is that it's just so hard to decide in what you're going to give your money to and how is this how how good is this charity what is this charity doing you know how much of my money is going to go to helping these people is it proven is it one of those things that uh, that is proven is this charity going to go you know am i going to give money to this charity and they're going to go overseas and give bibles away you know like there's right. so many things that you're worried about as a humanist when you give money to charities and this takes out a lot of that guesswork they're doing great work so you can find their stuff at foundationbeyondbelief.org and uh, and Dale, we're hoping that he'll come back on in the future. We're going to read his book and we're going to talk about um, parenting uh, in a humanist way, humanist parenting. So that should be very interesting. We're hoping that he'll come back on in uh, in the next couple months. Yeah, I sure as hell hope so. I bought his fucking book. <laughs> <laughs> so that wraps it up for this week. Uh, we'll catch you next Monday. But until next time, we're going to leave you, as always, with the Skeptics Creed.